On this episode of Bootstrappers, we're gonna talk about estate planning. And the reason we're gonna talk about this is because entrepreneurs typically are amazing at their businesses and then totally neglect their personal estate planning and all the legal and financial ramifications that go along with that. So we're gonna talk with Jane Saintville about what we need to do to get our personal lives in order in adult. Welcome to Bootstrappers, a unique program designed to help make your business better. From property management to remote workers, Bootstrappers is here to help your business succeed. Bootstrappers is a production of Anaquim LLC. So let's lace up those business boots and join Bootstrappers with Jeremy and Gwen Aspen. Welcome to Bootstrappers, where we talk about topics that matter to real estate entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Gwen Aspen, here with my spouse, Jeremy Aspen. Me. <laughs> and we have a really exciting show today where we're going to talk about entrepreneurs getting their personal affairs in order. It's a big issue in the entrepreneur circles because we're so obsessed with our bu- our businesses that we forget it and neglect our personal affairs. And so today we're gonna speak with James Saintville of Jade Law in Washington, D.C. about what we need to do to get our personal affairs to match our business affairs. So I think it's gonna be a really exciting show. Yeah, it is important stuff because over the course of the last, what, 20 years we've been entrepreneurs, uh, we've neglected to do this and I think we should probably talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I think so. Um, So uh, Bootstrappers is powered by Anaquim. And Anaquim helps businesses, especially in the property management realm, to um, transform their business and scale their business to be able to make more money. Whether you need virtual assistance, the 24-hour hotline, maintenance, um, leasing full-blown back office, whatever it is that you need, we are there to help. And if you're a fan of the show, share with your friends and like and subscribe on YouTube. Or your enemies. (laughs) We don't care. And leave us a nice message and a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We love the feedback. And we will send a book, uh, whatever James Saintville's favorite book is, to the most insightful review on Apple Podcasts after this show. So stay tuned to the end to learn more about the book giveaway. So, Jeremy, let's get real here. Okay, so I feel kind of vulnerable with this episode, I'm not going to lie, because the truth of the matter is I have a lot of things completely in order in my life. And at the same time, I'd probably be homeless if it weren't for Jeremy. That's a wrap. (laughs) If I've said it once. I'm not even kidding. My scare tactics are finally starting to work. Now people understand why she is with me. I would live in a car with like too many dogs and cats. I probably would. No, no, because you're 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 cleaner than me. Way I am cleaner, cleaner. but I, I really do love dogs and cats. So. Not that much. We have a dog right now that stinks. Well, uh, he has his own health issues, but th- that's beside the point. So the thing is, is that um, our business books are perfect, you guys. Like, to the penny, the day after... Uh, the the beginning of the month, so on the second of any month, our books are perfect for the business. But I'll say this, and this is for the property management group out there. When you're in charge of other people's money and you've got 250 clients, all who need to have separate books, the easiest way to do that is by having one trust account 
And inside that trust account, keep different ledgers for each of your owners. If you have a software that doesn't suck, it does at least that. And so we have one bank account to track everything inside of. And if you can do that for your property management company, for your clients, then it makes it way easier to actually manage your own books. And you reconcile everything every day. So, and, and because when clients call, they want to know like, what, how much money do I have in the bank? You can't wait or you ought not wait for a week of receipts to stack up in your accountant's or your bookkeeper's office and then start entering them and then start asking the technicians, what job was this for? No, it needs to be done in real time. So by the end of any month at Wistar Group in, in Omaha, we, um, we have the books reconciled at that moment. As a matter of fact, even with our service at Anaquim, where we're doing the back office books, we're reconciling the books by the end of the first day of the of the following month. So you close out the books in November, uh, December 1st, done. And, and I'm not talking specifically, th this show is more like estate planning and everything, but it all kind of goes together. Like if your finances are a mess, then likely you also don't have your legal documents in order. And at our business, and I think this is a lot like a lot of other entrepreneurs, we're obsessed with our business and everything is perfect. But then after working a long week and we're exhausted, then we tend to neglect, or me, because Jeremy's more organized and he keeps a, he holds everything together. I'm exhausted by the weekend and then I don't wanna work on the small things. And I think that's like a lot of entrepreneurs. The other thing is entrepreneurs are visionary and they're hungry and they go and get the business and then they neglect the details. And so I just wanted to be super honest about some of the things that I am neglecting more to hold well, myself accountable. And I would say this, and this <laughs> yeah. might actually be a, something people can take with them. I am actually not organized at all. I'm terribly organized, but I am disciplined. Like if, I, if it does rise to a level of me thinking it needs to be done, I try to avoid the downstream problems by having a checklist. And on the first of the next month, I just do these things and it's done and that makes it so much easier. So it's so funny in our relationship because I'm organized with like my calendar is perfect and my time management at work is amazing <laughs> but my my legal documents, my finances, generally speaking, except I did do everything on this last weekend because I my new, real, new year's resolution for 2021 is to be organized. But um, generally speaking, it's messy, and you're the opposite. Like your time management may not be like perfect in your calendar. What? It's so <laughs> but, bad. But you make sure that all the legal stuff and the finances are done. So it's kind of interesting how we hold each other accountable for each other's weaknesses. Here's a, here's a tidbit for somebody: like do your own financial, keep your fi your personal finances on the same cadence as your company's books. And we're working on yeah. that, and we're getting there. But um, I'm just going to talk about some of the other messy things about about my personal life because I think that there's so much shame with entrepreneurs that our personal lives are messy, even though our businesses are beautiful. I think this is actually a common occurrence. But um, we haven't looked at our will since 2012 yeah. and we have an 11 and 13 year old so we do have that on the books to do this weekend. Nope. Um, I have on my list of things to do um, 
I have the title is all screwed up on our Michigan house. I don't even know if I told you this, but the title is super screwed up on our Michigan house. Really? For me. You're on it. You're fine. For the house or for? For the house. Uh -huh. So I have to fix that document and get it um, notarized. Ooh. I know. And then another thing that maybe I haven't told you. Hey, so if something happens, <laughs> it goes to me. I, well, yeah. yeah, it would anyway. It would anyway. But okay, so the other thing is that my Nebraska financial interest statement, which I have to do because I'm on a board for the state of Nebraska, it's a year overdue. Oof. Okay, we'll get that done by the time this airs because I am. I'm, I, I'm going to do it this weekend, but I'm just saying, I'm being really honest. So that financial interest statement was due pretty much a year ago. So I, I'm pretty sure I owe, I have a fine somewhere and it might be in the a state of Nebraska because I haven't that. done it. It looks, it makes me look sketchy, even though I have nothing to hide. I just didn't do it yet. So anyway, I'm being really honest here because I think entrepreneurs, I'm not, I'm pretty sure my hunch is that I'm not alone here. What do you think? I'd be curious if there's a, <laughs> who is not alone, make, leave a comment because I, I kind of, I kind of feel like uh, maybe we are the only ones that suck this bad. No, <laughs> no, because we do have a lot of the stuff. It's just old. We have to go find it and we've got to get it organized. We have the best of intentions. <laughs> best of intentions, baby. we're so baby. busy with our business that we totally neglect neglect our personal life. And then here's the thing, here's the irony of it. Why did we even start these businesses in the first place? Like what, what's our whole purpose in life as a as Yeah, to leave a legacy. To leave right? a legacy and be like great parents to our kids. Like that's our- And we want to be a pain in the ass to our kids when we're dead. No, like so, <laughs> so that's the irony of it is like everything we do is to make sure that our kids are fine, right? That's why we own businesses. That's why we've done what we've done. And then when it comes down to it though, if we don't have these little details in order, we are making their lives miserable or whoever is in charge of them, if we die like tomorrow, we're making their life miserable unless all this stuff is really organized. So I think entrepreneurs really focus on big broad topics. We're visionary, we focus on the future, and we focus on our why. And so if you struggle with these details because it's just not your thing, like Jeremy and I both struggle with details in some capacity or another. Thankfully, they're in different areas so we can balance each other out, but we both struggle with details. But if we focus on the bigger thing, which is the kids and our legacy and the whole point of everything that we do is to make their lives better. I think we can get our our lives together. <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> That's the goal. Well, yeah. Get I, it together, become it's just, adults. It's, but this is one of those topics that's always in the background and never really comes to any sort of a significant place in our brains because it's so, it's after you die. Like I mean, there, there's no real urgency. Nobody ever thinks, well, you know, I'm in a, I mean, that's not true, but not very many people that are in good health are saying, you know what, I'm gonna die soon. I, I should be prepared for death. It's just, it's always one of the easiest things you just push off because why? if there's something that's gotta give, that seems to be yeah. a good one. It is, in fact, as important of a thing as you can do. And the nice thing about it is, you do it once, and with very little maintenance, you at least have something you can keep it up. Yeah, I think that that's true. So, so I'm excited for this episode because we're going to get into all the things that 
somebody needs to be an organized person who's adulting. Adulting. I hate that gerund. <laughs> well, yeah, my generation likes it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess, I guess. Yeah, I've been adulting for uh, ever since I've been an adult, turns out. <laughs> so this is the perfect segue to talk to the expert. So we have, we're really lucky to have James Saintville, who is an estate planner, helping us out today. Hello, James, how are you this, this morning? Hello. So does Hello, everybody, Glenn. how are you? Does so, everybody call you uh, James or do they call you Jim or Jimmy or? Just James. Okay. <laughs> Very simple and straightforward. <laughs> so James, you're the principal of Jade Law and you're based in Washington, D.C., but you also practice in New York and New Jersey and you focus solely on estate planning. Is that correct? So I don't practice in New York. I am barred there. Oh, um, okay. Eventually, maybe I will, but I do have an office in New Jersey as well. Fantastic. Okay, so so can you first just make us not feel bad? We already talked about <laughs> what a hot mess I am in terms of my personal life and having all my ducks in a row. Is this is this common for entrepreneurs to struggle in this area? It's definitely, and it's not just for entrepreneurs, so you shouldn't feel bad at all. Um, plenty of people actually struggle getting all of their legal affairs together. And in fact, estate planning is one of the main areas people struggle with because a couple of reasons. One is like many Americans are so engrossed in their work and they continue to strive and reach their career goals, um, whether it's within an organization or running a business themselves. And that drive is great but people don't stop to think about what happens if um, something happens to you or to your family um, and you lose your income or um, and all the assets you've accumulated that's just one area and the other thing is in addition to that um, it's very difficult for people to kind of just face the reality of their mortality yes. people don't want to think about debt we are and weird so it, that it's way. a very it's a very hard topic to approach people just think they're going to move on with their career and keep going we are all superman and we're going to keep going but that's not the reality of life yeah and then at some point we're just dead it's like a mix of <laughs> exactly. um, too late i feel like americans are overly <laughs> optimistic Mm -hmm. And we literally never talk about death. Actually, we were talking about that at my book club yesterday. Oh, really? <laughs> yes, yes. It's like well, we avoid it at all costs. And then the thing is- Well, it's though, definitely true. James- It's true because a lot of people will push it aside. And some people do actually think about their estate planning, but they say, oh, I can get to that. I'll do it later. So, and then they continue to kick the can down the road. I think that's kind of what happened to us because we've been through this process before, but for the life of us, we can't figure out where anything is or even what- we had intended to do. I know <laughs> it's really embarrassing. We did it in 2012, and then we totally forgot about it, and now we have to well, to to look at it again. But I, <laughs> my question is: Okay, so for people who are total disasters, just what are the documents they have to have? So I would say not just for people who are total disasters. <laughs> at, at the very at the base level, you should at least have um, a will powers of attorney and medical directives. Um, and if you have any children, any minor children specifically, um, I would encourage people to do a designation of standby guardian. Um, if you want me to, I can elaborate on why the designation of standby guardian <laughs> is an important document yeah. as well. Yeah, well, if we can go through each, go. let's start with the will. So what okay. are the main things that people have to have in their will? Because a lot of people are just gonna go, oh, I gotta do this. It's, you know, 2021 mm -hmm. is around the corner and I got to get my and stuff so together. And so is my impending death. And so <laughs> I'm just going to go on legal Zoom and create a will. 
Oh, right. that's, okay. that's a good one. <laughs> so, so, so tell us why we need to actually get a real attorney and what needs to be in the will. So a will basically is just a simple document that kind of just controls the distribution of your assets. Where do you want your things to go after your death? But it's more important than that. It names the representatives that you want to who can financially handle the situation when it comes so who's going to be able to collect all of your asset who assets who knows um who's financially um capable in order to make sure that all the debts that you owed all your creditors are paid prior to making distributions to your beneficiaries on top of that um how are you distributing these assets to your beneficiaries um i know you you two have small children well, with your children, um, there's something called the Uniform Transfer to Minors Act, which you cannot give some, um, a child who's under the age of 18 a million dollars. That's not how it works. It would end up in a custodial account for um, that child with some kind of guardian or custodian um, making the distributions to that child as necessary. Whereas as parents, if you want more control over that, you can name a trust for that child and you can have that trust terminate when they turn 25, 35, or you can have it continue for their life. And there are some reasons to do that as well. There are some protection issues that you can cover within the trust as well. So it's kind of um, giving you that flexibility to make these decisions and make sure that all of your ducks are in a row. So, if so I that's went, basically what the will does. If I went on LegalZoom, why is it going to suck? Why is it a bad idea? <laughs> so with LegalZoom... You don't get paid. I mean... No, I'm just that, curious. What, like, I, I'm sure they're missing some components that are super important. Yes. So LegalZoom and um, other do-it-yourself, because LegalZoom is not the only place. There's Rocket Lure and all these other things that you can do it online. But one, they can lead to some ambiguities, in, um, which are ripe for um, contests. And two, um, there's certain nuances of the family dynamic and things that those types of... Um, fill in the blank forms do not cover. So when you go to an estate planning attorney, we don't only ask about your finances. We do ask about all of your finances, but we also get into things such as what is your relationship with your child? What are your, um, your, your you have two children. What are they, what are the siblings like? Do they get along? Do they not get along? And we just c contemplate the entire family dynamic. So one child might have special needs. One might not. Um, one might have a substance abuse problem, depending on how old they are. So these are different things that we take into consideration when doing an estate plan. It's very tailored to the individual. Whereas if you go to a rocket lawyer or legal Zoom, you're getting a standard template where you're filling in the blank with names. Yeah. And so, and that's really, I mean, if we're thinking about the broader discussion, which is the only way I think you're going to get entrepreneurs to really get this done is like, okay, what's the why? The why is to fulfill the legacy that you've worked your butt off creating and making sure that your kids talk to each other after Definitely. you're dead. Right. I mean, like if Definitely. you're really thinking about what we're after that would be it. And so if you don't plan your will correctly, everybody's fighting and no one talks to each other anymore. I mean, how often do you see that? Exactly, that comes up all the time. Um, one, if you don't have a will, you're gonna die what's called intestate, which what happens when you die with no will or intestate is 
each jurisdiction, which I'm using jurisdiction, it's a term for states. Um, so each jurisdiction actually has laws on the books of where your assets will go. And every single jurisdiction is different. So it's just wherever the state decided that's the best place for your assets to go is where it's going to go. So you're giving up control. Like what's an example? Is that formulaic or is it just that somebody that's in charge says, no, nah, like they'll do case by case, so, literally? I will say it goes, it's not, it's formulaic. It's just okay. written in, it's um, state statute. So I can give you an example that many states will say everything will go to your spouse if you're married. Um, there are certain states that say, no, only a portion will go to your spouse if you're married and a portion to your kids if you have children. Um, so they're very different. Um, and it all goes off of who's left when you pass away. So if you have a spouse, if you have children, a girlfriend, if you, what's the girlfriend allocation? That can, that can come in as well. (laughs) So, Uh. so these are all things to consider. So, um, I, for an example, I know if you, um, are a parent in DC and you pass away, um, with a child and, uh, a spouse and two children and you di- or you die it, whether you die in dc versus whether you die in virginia makes a difference in where those assets go and it's right across this one it borders in dc oh, so it's interesting just seeing how the different jurisdictions tell say where things go versus you actually taking control and making the affirmative step to say where you want your things to go Wow. Okay, so we need to review our will. Yeah, well, we are. Actually, I printed it last week and yeah. gave it to Gwen. Because we're going to get... Which I think is where the, uh, the was the genesis of this show, because <laughs> we we read it and we're like, geez, what the... F- how? Okay, let's reorganize this. Like, one of the things we had was after the kid's school was paid, college, then it went mm-hmm. to our favorite um, charity. All the rest. <laughs> and we were like, mm, okay, maybe we want to change that. We were a little bit... Too- too uh, idealistic there. So, so you're leaving nothing to your children? You weren't. That's how <laughs> yeah. Uh, we were like, money will ruin them. You get nothing. Which I think there's a lot of truth to that. But <laughs> but maybe nothing. Yeah. So I, we have to review that. But okay. But what so, if your children decide to go to um, school after undergrad? We, we had addressed that. Did you address yep. it? Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, we, we have to review it, but that is a big of the Definitely. a big reason why you're on here is because we were just chatting, and I was like, well, wait, wait, let, let's let's talk about this while we're on the podcast, because don't give me this advice now. Like, let's let's do it in a podcast. I will say, format. trust can be a great tool. Okay, Sorry so to we should interrupt. talk trust, about that, trust, and trust we screwed that up tool. too. Well, I was going to say, trust <laughs> under your will. So after um their college is paid for you could put everything into trust um and make it flexible to where if they have um some kind of business inclination that money from that trust can help them um it can be the seed money for them to start a business or to do something with their lives so there's so many different aspects you can look at it um from and you know your children better than anyone else so it's it gives you an opportunity especially as your children grow up you know their personalities you know who they are as fully formed individuals and you can make those decisions um, as you see best will fit them and will help them in the future. I've seen um, situations where 
a trust um, can say that the child will get no distribution unless they're working. And if they're working, what it does mm. is it will match whatever their salary is um, dollar for dollar. But so there are different things you can do. It's fully flexible. So it's just having those conversations. And again, that's something you would do with an estate planning attorney. You're not getting that in a DIY. Yeah, (laughs) you're really not, are you? Okay, so um, before we move on, I just want to ask one more question about the will. So where, how often are you supposed to review this? I mean, what would you recommend in best practices? I would recommend breast practices anywhere between five and seven years to review it. And that's not necessarily saying you need to make changes, just to kind of go through and see that it's up to date. Um, Also, whenever you hit any of the life cycle events, so the life cycle events are typically kind of um, when you relocate, you might want to kind of just look it over to make sure that um, it kind of fits into that state's laws that you move to. Mm. Um, Marriage, divorce, um, when you have children, um, or there's a significant change in your wealth level because then you can start dealing with a non-taxable estate versus a taxable estate. And that's because over, that can come into play. Is that over $11 million or 21, something like that? The one you're talking so, about? Um, yes. Um, depending on where your wealth level is, um, the Jobs Cuts and Tax Act of 2017 actually doubled the estate tax exemption from $5 million to $10 million indexed for inflation. Per person. So what that means is currently, yes. So currently... You have about 11.8 or 11.58 million dollars per person in um, a state tax exemption, which for couples that's about 23.16 million dollars. You can pass about. off it's um, tax free. <laughs> However. So, and in 2021, we already have the numbers. In 2021, it's going to increase from um, from the 11.58 to 11.7 million dollars, um, which is about 23.4 million dollars for couples. However. The key to this is the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act of 2017 is set, like certain provisions of it are set to sunset in 2025. What that means is is if Congress doesn't look at it and decide to make it permanent, um, it will go away and it's likely that they will not. And so that means it will drop back down to the 2017 levels. So you'll be about $5.6 million or wherever we were in 2017. Um, And Another thing to look at is we know an election just happened, and so Not yet. With, the new <laughs> with the new administration going in, whatever um, it may conspiracy <laughs> guy. It may sooner. <laughs> we are just it kidding. By sooner, the way. <laughs> well, we we all know that um, Joe Biden has came out and said he wants to repeal the um, Tax Cuts and Jobs Act of 2017. And if he does that, then you're going back to the $5 million exemption that we were at in seven um, in 2017 sooner than 2025. And I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> right, right. Well, that's helpful. That is helpful. Okay, so we let's say we, we're going to get our will done. Now what's the other, what, what's another document that everybody has to have? Financial powers of attorney. Okay, tell us about that. So the financial powers of attorney just um, there are two different ways you can do it. Most of the time, I suggest doing um, durable financial powers of attorney. Um, what that is is once you sign it, it um, becomes effective, and that means that the person you name as your attorney, in fact, has the power to control all of your finances. And you can limit it in any way you can. But generally, I do a broad one, where if you become incapacitated, so say Gwen, you were in a car accident, then um, Jeremy can start um, handling your finances on your behalf um, until you get better. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so that's basically that's the long and short of a financial power so of attorney. Even though we're married, 
I, he, for now <laughs> you're hilarious uh, so so even though we're married he doesn't get that automatically no so it depends i will say okay um if you have joint accounts then of course he has access to it you both have access but there are a lot of marriages where um both partners and spouses keep decide to keep their um, assets separate hmm. so they might have two separate bank accounts and a joint bank account well your separate accounts no your spouse has no access to that yeah, unless so there is a power so you're attorney. telling me that i have to tell him i have a secret account <laughs> <laughs> as if I were organized. You know, you have to tell your lawyer. <laughs> as if I were I organized enough to have my own account. <laughs> huh. Okay. Anyway. Well, it's funny because actually, prior to um, prior to becoming an attorney, I actually majored in finance in undergrad. And one of the first questions they asked us in um, the first finance um, class was whether we think um, finances have a big. Um, part of marriages or a big part of divorce um and one of the questions was do we think that a majority of couples have joint accounts or separate accounts Ooh, answer what effect does it have and it was about 50 50. oh really there are a lot wow. of couples out there who don't hold joint accounts they still work and operate as a business unit or a family unit but they will still keep their separate accounts some people like to keep that autonomy see we do it all together just because i think mm -hmm. if for no other reason that we have a hard time managing one <laughs> bank account Shit, if i had to do, if, if we had to do two just for just... the record our business accounts are perfect it's just that we neglect our personal stuff. Yeah, I don't know. which has got to be normal because yeah. there's a lot more <laughs> writing on a bank, on a business account. But we're getting better. I, I will say that I spent all last weekend making sure that our personal stuff mirrored our business stuff. So we're on the right track. And having you here is the other thing that we're doing. Okay, so durable power attorney, financial power of attorney. Did I say that right? <laughs> yeah, durable, um, durable power of attorney. Okay. Um, I'll met. I'll quickly mention a springing power of attorney, which I generally don't suggest, but some clients prefer it. A springing power of attorney does not take effect immediately. It takes effect on some kind of triggering event, and typically that trigger event is when you become incapacitated so for example if you were in that car accident and became incapacitated that's when the power of attorney would take effect but the problem with springing powers of attorney is there are times where finances and um, finances have to be taken care of um in the in-between time the in-between time is what i'm going to call the time between um a physician kind of declaring that you're incapacitated uh. and you um basically when you actually become incapacitated versus the time where the physician actually deems that you're incapacitated. So then there's some family so in that members, time, th then there'd be like some family members being like, oh, come on, we have to get somebody to say this. Like the doctor needs to say this and other family members are like, that, no, 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 no. Well, ex exactly. But, um, and then you're going semi into another document that I mentioned, which is the medical directives, one of them oh, okay. being the advanced healthcare directive. Because when there's the difference between a financial power of attorney and the medical directives, that the medical directives actually give, you can name a separate agent or the same agent um, who actually can make decisions on behalf of um, yourself um, for your medical care. Okay, so it, because you need these documents like in an emergency, where where should people put these things in their house? I mean, so because <laughs> we can't find say, ours. We're like looking. We're like, okay, twenty twenty one. We're gonna get organized. We're gonna be real adults, and we're like, we made all this stuff. Where is it? So where? where I think I go? think they're actually in our lockbox, but where, we yeah. haven't gone to like, check. Where does it go? So we bothered our lawyer <laughs> to have them send it to us. 
So um, <laughs> it's typical for um, your estate planning attorney to retain the original documents for safekeeping. Um, you would typically, and not all clients want their estate planning attorney to retain the documents. They want to do it themselves. There are pluses and minuses for both. Actually, there's a major minus for not having your attorney hold on to it because when you want to go to probate a will, which is the process when you go take that original will to the court, the courts want the original. If you were to leave it in a drawer in your house and your house were to burn down or something were to happen, there's a presumption that you revoked that will. Mm. And so you could have died intestate even though you've already done your estate planning so that's why sometimes it's important for the attorney to hold on to the original but you'll always have copies of it whether it's electronic or a physical copy and so that copy we always um, suggest that our clients keep them in like a drawer at home or something like that and just let one of the representatives that will be serving on your behalf know that hey if something were to ever happen to me just go to this drawer and that's all you need to say tell um tell them if something were to happen to you they'll go there and typically with all of the documents especially the will it'll have the um law firm's name on it and contact information so they'll know i need to contact this law firm to figure out what's going on with the state so, plan and then the law firm will the attorney can take and probate the will potential mythbuster thing here is it mm -hmm. actually better is a is a handwritten will uh better than one that's typed up no okay it's worse it's worse okay. <laughs> type everything okay. some um some states will not accept a handwritten will except in certain per, um, circumstances see that i had i had always heard that it demonstrated lucidity like or especially no. amendments to a contract by older no. people uh-huh no the best thing for a will because the will um typically you'll see page um it'll be numbered in pages and with all of the wills that i draft it's page one up two so you know how many pages are there mm. and on that last page you have um i typically do two witnesses and a notary but each jurisdiction says what um dictates what's necessary for the will to be valid so in dc you actually only need two witnesses there are some jurisdictions that say you need three witnesses there are some jurisdictions that say you need a notary so um every jurisdiction you have to look at your specific state law but i typically try to do two note um, i do two witnesses and a notary just so i'm safe in pretty much all the jurisdictions in the dmv new jersey and most of the jurisdictions in the united states do you recommend with the will that you put like your passwords Cause like how not in the will, not but in however, the will, but like in that um, same drawer. Yes, you can put it in the same drawer, and um, that way that person has access to that as well. And I'll also say that um, every firm is different in how they do it, but I have a specific document that I've created for my clients. Um, I call it the final wishes form. And what it does is it's a document that has no legal effect. You don't sign it or anything like that, but um, it's a few pages long. You can um, kind of keep track of all of your assets on it. And you can also um, kind of go into deeper detail into what your desires are for your funeral service and things like that. If there's a specific song you want to play, if you belong to a specific church, if there are specific people um, you want to speak, um, things like that. Um, and oh. also if there's any like um, information you want to give to your personal representative or your trustees um, that isn't legally binding but you say i kind of want distributions to go to my child for these reasons or i want you to take them on vacation once a year or things like that you can just kind of place in that final wishes form that way it gives them some guidance so what's the other documents that people need 
So the one other document I would mention is for those parents or individuals with minor children, the designation of standby guardian. Um, what that document is, it's important because um, one thing I had neglected to mention was under wills, if you have minor children, typically we'll have a guardian provision under your wills. So if something were to happen to both of you, um, who would um, be who you would like to be the guardian of your children? So what happens is wills don't take effect till after you pass away, obviously. So what happens if you're both driving down the road one day and you get into a car accident and you're incapacitated just temporarily? who's going to take care of your children, where that's where the guard on um, the designation mm. of standby guardian happens. That's the life side of the form. So typically we would mirror that with the guardian provisions on your will. So we'd name the same people and they would be able to take care of your children while you're um, in that um, temporary incapacitated state. And then when you regain capacity, obviously they're still your legally your children. So, but uh, that's the importance of that document. And I, one of the reasons I say that's a key document is that's one of the documents you really want to pay attention to because um, the guardian provisions can, um, under your will just say guardians for any of my minor children, whereas the designation of standby guardians specifically names e each of your children. So if you have more children you're going to need to update that wow. document mm. so um and this is actually germane so now you're giving free legal advice to us okay <laughs> Just to, you know, no. Um, no legal advice no legal, so, advice. No legal <laughs> advice well no legal advice yeah i know um but so we have a situation where um the guardians live in another state right now but my daughter's a t you know she's 13 and, and 11 and that might be weird that all of a sudden we pass away and they've got to move. Would would a contract or the the will or I'm sorry, the standby guardian, would it actually mandate that the children must move with the guardian if they're in another state in another place? Or would there be Not a way would the court say, Ah, you're going to this school, time's passed, you can go somewhere else? So if you're talking about passing away, typically um, I've had situations like that with clients where the client will throw all of their money into a trust for their children and they will say you can keep the house and they want the guardian to move into the house and the trust can pay the expenses and all of that so the children can stay in the same um, schools that they're going to um, and if that guardian has children themselves that um, some of the money can be expended on that child that way they're equal um, they equalize the children that way one children one child doesn't feel like they're lesser than the other or something like that so there are different ways um, to deal with it but that's a very specific thing and that's something you would have to talk to an attorney about because you need to figure out what your intentions are for your children and kind of have the attorney drafted appropriately appropriately for your situation wow all right well I let's let's talk about, about it yeah. let's see i'll talk to an attorney right now so no. okay <laughs> So, so those are like the main documents that everyone, yes. regardless whether you're an entrepreneur or just have a job, you need those yes. documents to be basically like a legit grown up, right? Yes. <laughs> you know you're adulting when you Check have that these box. documents. Okay, I'm an adult. I, I'm now True. 50 and I have a will. I'm an adult. Reminder, adulting yeah. is not fun. It's not fun. <laughs> So um, for business owners specifically, what kind of legal documents do they need? So I would say a lot of entrepreneurs know that they need an operating agreement. Um, if you don't have one, typically um, some people just start an LLC and don't have one. If you don't have an operating agreement, typically wherever your LLC is formed, it'll um, 
there are some jurisdictions that have LLC laws. So you'll just be going off of state statute. Um, some buy sell agreements, um, LLC assignments sometimes. And sometimes um, what I want to mention, even though I don't really get into the realm of life insurance, but it's something that we consider with estate planning um, is key man insurance policies, because sometimes um, if you're a key person mm. to your business um, upon your death, that um, there may be some time, like whatever you name your successor, there may be, some, may be a learning curve for your successor to take um, to kind of learn what they need to do and the processes for your business. And you want to make sure that your company has enough liquidity in that time period um, for them to overcome that learning curve. And also you can have an organization set up, which I've actually done this before for clients you can set up an organization where only blood relatives can inherit the shares of that business mm. um and this is common with family partnerships so because um the person owns the shares when they die they may leave everything to their spouse where their spouse is not a blood relative so they might not be able to inherit those shares so um oh, the that. organization may have to buy those shares from the estate so the spouse will be compensated for whatever the value of those shares are but the company might not be liquid enough in order to pay that so that can be another area where key man insurance comes into play and, and a buy sell maybe yes as right. well a buy sell as well okay wow okay i i do i feel more adult already <laughs> <laughs> um so i think uh there's a decent chance that anybody that's listening is kind of like oh my god my life is going to be so much more difficult for the next couple of weeks while i get this stuff organized <laughs> no but it's a good what are the steps to take like what what's the next step for anybody that needs to get something done that, that recognizes say, that they're def they're behind and need to get going <laughs> definitely call an estate planning attorney they will they will make the process so much easier for you they will take into consideration everything you own and they'll look at everything holistically estate planning to me is not just a will it's looking at everything that you um, have tying it together to make sure it coordinates with each other and that one other aspect is beneficiary designations for your life insurance and um, policies and your retirement plans, you want to make sure that those coordinate with your entire estate plan as a whole as well. Wow. Okay. So I want to ask you a few questions about, well, you're a business owner. So this is just Definitely. an entrepreneurial question. What is your biggest boneheaded move that you've made as a business owner? And so I'm going to keep this one short and not go into too much detail, <laughs> but I'll say basically not listening to my intuition. Um, there's a time that I made a decision before that um, was financially lucrative. So that's one of the reasons that it, I was driven to make the decision. I thought this is gonna be great financially, but my gut told me not to make that decision. So sometimes it's best to follow your gut and not just go with whatever is going to make you the most money kind so, of thing. So was it because uh, the making the more money, did it go against your values in general? No, it just was a headache of a, of a matter. It wasn't worth the money. Oh, okay. Exactly. Uh, okay. Not Smart. worth my time or money. That is a that is a good a gut check before you make mm -hmm. a big decision would be your exactly your advice. always follow your intuition. You know what's right for your business. Awesome. And then, what is a book that you would recommend to others? So most recently, um, I've been um, kind of delving into Jim Collins' um, Good to Great. Um, um, basically, the full title is Good to Great, Why Some Companies Make the Leap and Others Don't. That was such a pivotal book for me as well. It's like a nice. classic 
amazing book. So just for anyone watching on YouTube or on Apple, if you give uh, Bootstrappers a five-star review and a thoughtful comment, we will send you Good to Great by Jim Collins uh, after the show. So, well, we want to thank you so much, James. Yeah, for thank you, James. All Appreciate of it. Your, uh, I feel like you've emotionally supported me through this week, <laughs> <laughs> and the fantastic advice. Um, because I think as people go and see their estate planner, they can kind of check notes and make sure it jives with what you've said, and they have more mm-hmm. uh, conversation topics to bring up as they get good. You're very uh, welcome. Legal advice. Thank you so much for having me. So right. again, James is with Jade Law in DC, and you can find him on the website in the show notes. So thanks, James. Thank you. Well, have a have a good one. And next up on Bootstrappers, we're gonna talk about what it's like to have an entrepreneurial family, and we're actually going to interview our 13 and 11 year old on what it's like to live in a household where both parents. And we're on companies. Yeah, and we're going to tell them how much money they're going to inherit. (laughs) (laughs) So that's next on Bootstrappers. This has been Bootstrappers, a unique presentation designed to help you better understand how the world turns. Contact Gwen or Jeremy at posts at bootstrappers.club or visit our website, anaquim.net. Be sure to subscribe to our podcasts on Apple, Google Play, Spotify, and our YouTube channel. Thank you and join us next time for Bootstrappers.